You're listening to Spurs Cast, episode 643. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today, I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Jonas Clark. In this episode, Jonas and I will discuss the Spurs in their last eight games, multiple players going into health and safety protocols, and what has worked for the team since uh, Thanksgiving has passed. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode with Jonas. Jonas, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Paul. How are you? I'm doing very well. You know, it's been it's been quite a while since we've had a Spurs cast. I know I know Spurs cast listeners. If you haven't seen a podcast coming to your feed, uh, it's because we took you know we took a little bit a little bit of a break with the holidays uh, going through. So now that they've kind of passed, uh, we, we're we're jumping right back in into the Spurs cast. And I want to first uh, uh, kind of recap how the Spurs have done since I last recorded an episode, Jonas. It's been quite a while here. So let's go back to. December 17th, the Spurs have gone 4-4 four and four since our last Spurs cast recording eight games ago. Uh, they, uh, we're not going to go heavy into, into recapping each, each individual game because it's been so long. But let's first go back to December 17th. The Spurs get uh, one of their best wins of the season at, in Utah on the road. The Jazz were up by 17 points in this game. The Spurs made a comeback, and they ended up um, you know, ex- executing in crunch time. Lonnie Walker IV had, had a big bucket there down the stretch. And so the Spurs got a huge victory uh, on, on December 17th at Utah. Then um, a few nights later, they lose to the Sacramento. Middle Kings on the road. This is a bad loss for San Antonio. They should have. They, they, they were expected to beat the Kings in this game. Uh, then they go to the Lakers. Uh, a few nights later, and, and they and they they get a win against the Lakers. Then they go to the Clippers and get a win against against the Clippers as well. So they had a pretty successful road trip. Then on Sunday last week, uh, the Spurs got a, got a, got their biggest win of the season. They beat the Pistons by 35 points. They actually uh, got were ahead by 39 points. This is important because this is the first game that that uh, the Spurs were without Dejounte Murray because he he had got um, placed into health health and safety protocols for this game uh, and ha- and has been in those situations ever since. Um, the Spurs were favored by nine and a half, so basically they took care of. Business. Detroit was missing like I think like twelve or thirteen players. They they had they were able to get like I think eight or nine players to, to actually have a game. But again, the Spurs rolled in this game at home. Then on Monday this past week, uh, the Spurs lost by six to the Jazz. Uh, Utah was favored by seven and a half, and the Jazz you know got a pretty comfortable win here. The Spurs were without Murray, the Jazz were without Donovan Mitchell, but Utah still took care of business on the road against San Antonio. Got some revenge after the Spurs beat them in Utah. Uh, then on Wednesday, the Spurs and a Miami Heat game was postponed. This is the Spurs' first um, postponed game of the season because the Heat were unable to get eight players uh, available for this game on a Wednesday. So, so this game will be rescheduled. We don't know when. Uh, some, at some point, either during the season or else after the season. And then on Friday, uh, the Spurs lost. Um, they were on the road in Memphis uh, to begin a seven-game road trip. They lost to the Grizzlies by 13. Uh, Memphis was favored by five and a half. Um, they led by as many as 19. The Grizzlies were missing a bunch of players. The Spurs were missing Murray. Uh, and Devontae Kaycock, and so Memphis won this game. And then the most recent loss for the Spurs was a pretty bad one. They were on the road against those same Pistons, and uh, they led by 17 in this game in the first half. Detroit makes a comeback, and um, they goes to overtime, and... um, uh, uh, what's his name? Sadiq Bay makes makes a crazy corner three where where, where uh, Derek Walton Jr. threw him the, the ball in the corner. He was he was guarded by Jakob and um, another Spurs player, and the ball went through Jakob's legs. Uh, Bay caught it somehow, and then still put up the corner three and got it to go in. And so the the, the Pistons made that comeback victory against the Spurs. So I know that's a lot of information there, Jonas. What are you, what have been your thoughts on these last eight games? You know that the the team is really still just trying to figure things out. This is the definition of a young team, right? Uh, one of the problems with the Spurs the last couple of years has been their how they play to the level of their competition. They play great against good teams, and they kind of play down to to not so great teams. With the exception of the huge blowout win against the Pistons, it's been more of the same thing, especially without the leadership of Jante, you know, seeing Keldon step up the last few games, even when he was struggling in last night's game against the Pistons, 
Um, you know, and I think it was him defending with Jakob on that final shot against Bay. Mm-hmm. But the the ball was still designed um, to go in the hands of Kelvin Johnson down the stretch. So without DeJounte out there, it looks like Kelvin is for sure uh, the, the primary option one um, without without DeJounte. Um, but that, that's the... <sighs> Yeah, it's it's frustrating to watch you know watch them. Yeah, why why can you play so well against the Jazz? Why can you beat the Lakers and then you lose to the Kings, right? But they're still learning how to you know mentally prepare. I think for every single game, it's really easy to get up when you're an underdog. Um, you know when everybody's counting you out and you have something to go out and prove. But it also you know to to steal from a local phrase from Coach Trailer at UTSA, they kind of eat the cheese. Um, you know, against these bad teams, I put that in air quotes, the lesser teams in the mm-hmm. NBA, like your Kings, like your Pistons. Um, and, and, and everything like you said before, everything's just kind of muddled up in the NBA. So what's good, what's bad, it's, we kind of don't know when the Spurs kind of fit that mold for the NBA this season as well. Yeah, no, for sure. You had a great point there. And, and Bryn Forbes kind of mentioned that. He basically said that once they went up by 17 against Detroit, they kind of took their foot off the gas. Even um, Jakob Perto, I think it was, or, and, and then I know Coach Pop made a comment basically about when that loss to the Kings, where basically it looked like they had turned the corner. They were going to start you know, taking those, those those teams that are struggling or are missing a lot of players more, more seriously, and they haven't been doing that in, in those two losses. At least that showed. Um, so now let's go through some other details on the team on how they're doing um, You know, now through the season. So they actually surpassed their expectations in these last eight games. Vegas had them going 3-5. and five. The Spurs end up going four and four. Um, so where are they right now? Through 35 games, they are 14 and 21 in the season. They were in 10th for like most of these last two weeks. However, um, that loss against Detroit did push them back to 11th. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're not too far still from being one of the one of the teams right there in the middle of the pack for the playoffs. They're only four and a half games behind the Denver Nuggets for fifth out west. Uh, overall, though, we look at their record. They're eight. They have the eighth worst record now that they've been playing better. So that's not good for their lottery chances. They're, they're, they have a 26% chance at the top four pick if they're eighth right now and then a 6% chance at number one so so their lottery odds have kind of decreased now that they've been playing playing better basketball uh they've really made a huge jump on offense over the last month and a half here uh they're moved up to they're now 11th on offense they were a top 10 offense for for a few days here uh they moved up seven spots since the last spurs cast defenses kind of stay the same they're kind of they're they're right where i where i had last recorded two weeks ago they're 16th on defense still same place uh as you know just like all the other teams have been going through the spurs are starting to get hit by these um these these uh covid injuries unfortunately where players are getting placed in health and safety protocols so as we mentioned earlier Dejounte Murray has now missed four games in a row uh, in health and safety protocols uh, there, there was a report there was reporting by Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN that he w- he is moving into the second phase now of returning to conditioning so he has cleared the protocols so we'll see if he's going to be available for Tuesday against the, the Raptors if not at some point coach Pop did say he would join the Spurs on the seven game road trip so so Dejounte is going to be coming back pretty soon uh, like we mentioned Dejounte uh, Devontae Kaycock got placed in health and safety protocols and then Doug McDermott and Lonnie Walker the fourth are also both in health and safety protocols. Uh, because of this, the uh, the NBA ha- has um, modified the the, um, the hardship exception. So, so basically, when you when you get a few players in health and safety protocols, you have to sign a, an extra player. So the Spurs have done this. They, on Saturday, they signed Jalen Morris of the Austin Spurs uh, to a 10-day contract. Um, he wasn't with the team on, on um, Saturday in Detroit, but he is expected to be there on Tuesday in Toronto. 
Uh, and then some other big news for the for the on the Spurs' coaching staff. Um, Becky Hammond uh, has uh, has been hired as the new ho- head coach of the Las Vegas Aces in the WNBA. It's it's a, it's reportedly a five year deal. That's the most lucrative deal for any WNBA coach, and um, she is going to at least finish the season with the Spurs. So that's one good thing because the Spurs aren't losing her initially because we know that she's pretty much tops. I mean, pops um, top assistant on the bench along with Mitch Johnson and. Um, and Matt Nielsen, so so they are going to uh, you know lose lose a, a coach they really depend on the Spurs uh, in Becky after this offseason, so they at least have more time now to, to evaluate who they want to fill her shoes with. And then um, you know, and then the G League season has gone on pause here with the NBA teams having to just you know sign G League player after G League player uh, right now. So so I know that's a lot of information, Jonas. I guess uh, first of all, um, what are your thoughts on on because I know you covered the Austin Spurs for Project Spurs. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jalen Morris getting that ten day deal? Second question to you is um, you know what are your thoughts on, on Becky? Um, you know going uh, getting that 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 new deal. With the WNBA as the Las Vegas Aces coach and then lastly can you explain to the to the listeners what's going on with the G League and how the Austin Spurs have done yeah for sure uh you know Paul like this isn't the first time that that Jalen Morris has received a 10-day contract opportunity with San Antonio that happened last season as well and it's it's a guy they've kept around the organization um they like his scoring ability he definitely brings that with Austin you know this season through the Showcase Cup, and we'll get into that here in a second. But in the Showcase Cup, um, you know he averaged you know twelve points per game, four boards, two assists, and that's coming. That's a, that's playing as a second fiddle kind of role, um, as the primary focus throughout the first thirteen games or so um, for Austin has been the development of Joe Wieskamp and Josh Primo and Devontae Kaycock, as it really should be, um, as those are. Spurs players that need to be getting um, developed and, and, and ready now. But I think that with the loss of Kaycock, you know, really opens up that opportunity for San Antonio to get to bring up somebody who's very familiar with the organization, has spent time uh, not just with uh, with the Spurs organization, but with San Antonio specifically. And I think that that's where Jalen makes that perfect fit. I think it, if it wasn't him then the organization might have looked at maybe like a, a Caleb Johnson who has also spent time on the summer league rosters playing with a lot of the guys like Lonnie and Trey um, and, and Keldon him you know, his brother as somebody who might have been that other option. And, and should the team continue to struggle with uh, the new variant of COVID, um, I would look at Caleb again as one of those two to receive the, the call-up opportunity with mm-hmm. a 10-day uh, hardship exception. Um, you know, moving on into to, to Becky Hammond, I mean, it, how can you not be happy for her? You know, this is some. This is everybody is. You don't get you don't get into coaching and and just kind of feel you know settled as an assistant coach. And we know that she's you know had that drive and the desire to to be a full you know head coach um, when her opportunity arose. And and everybody, I think here in the city limits and, and outside, if anybody who kind of pulls for. The Spurs um, was really hoping that that Becky would have that chance with with San Antonio, but you know she's kind of still in the family and not at the same time. She's coaching, you know, for the Aces, which was you know they, they were all here in San Antonio in the mm-hmm. WNBA, and she played for the organization before, and so she there's there's already that that um, established love, and she's going to go to a great roster. Uh, and I just have a great roster to go ahead and coach up, um, you know, as they were just in the WNBA championships um, or running in the running for one. I'm sorry. Uh, and she's going to have a great opportunity out there. So you're really happy for her. I was really still, you know, we're still going to have to hold off on the NBA side waiting for that first female head coach. 
Um, I can't expect that should you know pop this be be pop's last season that you know Becky would you know go ahead and pull a Josh Dan Josh Daniels from the the NFL side like what he did to the Colts and back out of the deal because he now had you know the coach in waiting at, in New England. I think that. You know, I don't think that Becky would do that. You know, do that to the Aces. It's not in her character. So, um, really, really proud of her. But you know, disappointed at the same time because you can see how much this young Spurs roster really you know enjoys having her um, as a, as an assistant and mm-hmm. how she's able to you know work in and um, the chemistry that that they have as as an organization. Um, if you'd like, Paul, I can go ahead and, and set up the, the G League season where we're kind of at now as well. I know I've been, don't want to ramble on here. No, 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 you had a great point, and I was I was trying to think of a quote that Coach Pop had. Basically, um, it's it's, it's a long line which which you said about the players, you know, gonna gonna miss her, especially. Uh, he said something like along the lines like, "We really have learned to depend on her." Like everything, like you know, like I said, she's probably has now. You know, I, I know Chip England's been there; he's been with Pop, but he he never wants to be the guy who goes to the front of the bench. He's more so there um, right. as a supporting role as an assistant coach. So he's probably been the most tenured coach on the on the staff right now. But aside from Chip, it's it's Becky Hammond, and you know, he she's one of those coaches that he's really depended on now that a lot of his um you know the the other coaches the assistant coaches have moved on throughout the years like Ime Udoka like um Atori Messina all those coaches it's now Becky who's who's pops you know lead assistant at this point and so yeah they're they're gonna lose uh, you know a, a lead assistant here Mitch Johnson's only been I think two or three years now as an assistant coach on pops bench and then Matt Nielsen just barely got moved up to the top to the front of the bench here so so I think yeah that, that the players and even the coaching staff are really gonna you know gonna miss her and, and everything that they they, they relied on from her uh, you know in her, in her coaching um so yeah if you can go ahead and set up the listeners with uh, what's going on with the G League season because I know they, they're going on a pause here yeah, uh, and, and the, the league is set to begin this week and resume, uh, with the regular season. So everything to this point, all the highlights that you've seen from the Austin Spurs, the stats with Primo, everything like that has been the Showcase Cup, which is the, you know, the tournament to open the season. A uh, new format by the G League. Um, we kind of see, Professional basketball really wanting to implement some kind of midseason tournament. It's been flirted with the idea at the NBA level. Mm-hmm. The WNBA had one uh, last season in the middle of their season that was aired on Amazon Prime um, with you know a, a midseason tournament. There's always been the Showcase Cup that you know or the the Winter Showcase. I'm sorry that interrupts you know during the Christmas holiday interrupts the G League season. And so this year they went with the whole. Um, you know, showcase cup format to where it was qualifying to play in the final playoff at the, at the winter showcase. And so only eight teams qualified, uh, the top leading teams from all the divisions in the G League. And then they took the four extra teams with the, the four other teams, the highest, uh, you know, best records or winning percentages. And there's a whole, uh, tie breaking system that was broken down in uh, one of my articles covering the showcase cup on Project Spurs. Mm-hmm. And so n- now that we're done with the cup, you know, you had the, the Blue Coats, the Delaware Blue Coats of the 76ers organization. They won it right before Christmas holiday. And then the, se- the season was supposed to begin on December 27th, the regular season, 36 game schedule. Um, and the NBA has decided to delay. The start of the season because of the impact of COVID-19 still going through the NBA mm-hmm. as rosters like the Spurs right now are really you know becoming depleted. There needs to be some kind of a player base. And that's what the G League is there for, to keep guys fresh, to have the opportunity to showcase their talents and receive in-season opportunities 
with clubs, but you know, by way of ten day contracts, rest of the season contracts, um, and you know, so on and so forth. And so now that's that's really being utilized. So you're seeing a lot of G League call ups. Um, there's been, I mean, to, to even guesstimate how many, um, you're probably looking at about sixty in the last you know two weeks. Um, guys receiving opportunities just because of like your Jalen Morris is because there's just not enough players on the team. Eric Holman of the Austin Spurs, uh, a center, he got the call up opportunity with the Miami Heat, who were just in town and supposed to play the San Antonio Spurs. And the NBA advised uh, Miami to look at the Austin players as an opportunity to fill out their roster, so the game wouldn't have had to be canceled. Um, you know, of course, we know the game didn't get played, but Eric Holman is still, you know, in, in having his opportunity with Miami right now. So we're going to get started um, with the season here this week. Uh, this it was supposed to be a series with the Lakers, um, the South Bay Lakers, um, that was supposed to be uh, a back-to-back game from Tuesday to Thursday. But with the season not officially tipping off until Wednesday the 5th, the Austin Spurs' first game is going to be Thursday, January 6th. So they will have to make up games, uh, a two-game series against the Texas Legends, and then a game against uh, home games against the Stockton Kings and the South Bay Lakers at some point later on the season. But we're going to get tipped off this week. And what that roster is going to look like is anybody's guess right now, just like, just like yeah. the rosters across the NBA. And is there still a chance? I think there is still a chance, right, that it gets moved still? Because like, I don't know if teams are going to be ready this week to start playing basketball. G League teams, so should I say. Because, I mean, I just looked at the at the transaction wire today in the NBA, and there's like a bunch of players still being signed. I mean, we saw that case with the with the Pistons last night in that game where, where you know, majority of their team was a lot of players in the G League. So yeah, I mean, the, the NBA reserves that right to yeah, okay. continue to just to continue to delay it and continue to delay it. Uh, it, which is difficult for the fan base, I think, of G League teams, right? Because you, especially coming out of the holiday, you take a break away, and then you run the the risk of out of sight, out of mind, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's that's a little bit dangerous from the fan standpoint. Uh, of course, we don't know how the the fan. You know, side of things is going to continue to uh, be a factor. Uh, yep. You look at the Toronto Raptors, and they just mm-hmm. played a game the other night without fans. Um, so as this is a very fluid situation, and I know that Commissioner you know Silver said that he doesn't want to delay the season. We're, we don't want to push pause. But a lot of this is really starting to feel like uh, March 2020 again, you know, in the rest of the world, sure, but and, you know, here in the sports side, things as well. So that's going to be up to, you know, up to the the, to the G League um, if they can feel like they can fill out rosters, uh, and then you know the movement of players because you also have to make sure that as players are coming back to their to their G League affiliates um, or just back to the G League in general that you know you're not bringing. You know, COVID cases into the G League mm-hmm. at that point, too. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets with if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. 
DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. No, no, for sure. Okay, so yeah, so again, you know, right now it looks like the G League schedule will uh, resume this coming week, but we, we again, we just kind of keep keeping on Shams and Woj to see what, <laughs> yeah. what's going on because, like you said, it's a very fluid situation. We're going to get into this in a little bit here. Uh, this the, just the whole situation of, of the of the league as a whole uh, with, with this with this Omicron variant that's really just you know making these all these different changes to the, to the league. Uh, so before we go into that though, I want to go to our second topic here, Jonas, and this is just kind of discussing how the Spurs have been playing ever since the Boston game after Thanksgiving. This is kind of when this team kind of turned around their season. And I know that right now, you know, in present time, they are on a three-game losing streak. It doesn't look great. But when they're whole, again, with DeJounte Murray present and more play, all, all the rotation players, this is a pretty good ball club that we're seeing here right now. So since that Boston game back on um, November 26th, the Spurs are 10-8 and eight in their last 18 games. What has really changed here? It's, been, it's really been their offense. They, they moved up to six during this stretch on offense, um, scoring 114 points per, 114.6 points per 100. Their defense is also ninth during this stretch, but I would say their defense is very roller coaster where some nights, yes, they look like a lockdown defense. They hold their opponent below 100. Then other nights, they're giving up 120, 130. I mean, so so again, the defense for me has been kind of shaky still even during the stretch. It's really been the offense that's turned around here. And so what have I noticed by looking at some of the data? Uh, they're really, you know, just making that that big that that more of an effort to score in the paint. Uh, they're they're getting about fifty seven points in the paint right now versus about fifty five for the season. Their threes they've started to take more threes. They're they're making um, eleven point seven threes now uh, during this stretch compared to ten point nine for the season. Uh, they're shooting better from the three point line. They're they're making thirty seven percent of their threes during this stretch. They're also getting to the free throw line. They're they're they've increased their free throws to um, free throw makes to about fifteen point six per game uh, during this. Um, uh, during this stretch compared to 13.5 in the season. So that's basically saying right now during the stretch, they're, they're 24th in free throw mix, but overall for the season, they're 30th. Uh, so how have they done this? Some of their shots have got ha, had to go away from somewhere. And where's that place? That's the mid-range. The Spurs right now are only um, making 4.1 mid-rangers during this stretch compared to 5.3 for the season. So basically uh, for the season, they're, they're 10th in taking mid-range shots, but for these last, um, you know, you know, 18 games, they're, they're 18th. So again, we have seen that decline. Um, you know, it, it's an intentional decline to, to make sure that they're not taking as many mid-rangers. And then also we do see that their wide open threes uh, makes a, a, an um, accuracy of also um, increase. So when I look at the players now, you know, for the season, but then compared to these last 18 games, I really want to see, you know, what's sticking out right now. So let's go through uh, how the players are doing. It, the, the first player who's really helped out with the offense is Derek White. Just him getting his, you know, getting his, getting back to turning into Derek White again. He's really made an improvement here. Right now during the last 18 games he's scoring 17.6 points per game he's the leading scorer on the team during the stretch uh compared to his whole season where he's only averaging 14.5 uh he has also increased his free throw attempts so he's been 
Derek's pretty much the big reason why the team has seen an, an influx in um, in free throw free throw attempts. Dejounte still being Dejounte, you know, just playing at that All Star level, almost putting up triple doubles, um, for, um, you know, I, I, um, every other game kind of situation. So Dejounte is still being awesome. Keldon's numbers are very much the same. You know, we know that he's got his three point shot together. He's been really good. Uh, one concern that I've seen in his numbers um, is that you know he takes most of his shots in the paint. We know that about Keldon. He's a very aggressive player on the drive. Sixty three percent of his shots come in the paint, but he's one of the few players. He, he and Bryn Forbes are the only two players in the rotation that score less than, than a point per shot. So basically, he's not being efficient when he does go in the paint. That's a little concerning considering that Keldon likes to go in the paint. That's his main shot. Uh, Doug McDermott's been awesome. You know, during the stretch, he's, he's basically I, I put Doug being Doug here. Lonnie Walker the fourth. His three ball has returned during the stretch. He's shooting thirty five percent in the last eighteen games. Uh, Yaka Pertle's been doing Yaka Pertle things over the last eighteen games. Uh, Bryn Forbes has been a, a real spark off the bench. He, right now, during these last eighteen, he's scoring eleven point six points per game uh, compared to normally during the season. He's scoring eight point six, and we saw him being a huge factor for the Spurs with Dejounte Murray out uh, there in crunch time yesterday, where he had he he uh, right now for the season he's shooting four or five from three in, in uh, crunch time. Devin Vassell, you know, his three balls kind of struggled over the last 18 games, but he, he's starting to drive and finish a little bit more, so he's being a little bit more aggressive as far as taking the ball inside. Uh, Kata Bates' job has been awesome for the Spurs in these last 18 games. He's scoring 6.9 points per game during the stretch, um, shooting 59% from the floor, really doing a lot of off-the-ball things like cutting and just getting uh, points that way, just doing a really good job there. And then also, uh, a change in the front court is Jock Lando. He's become the backup center now. He's basically taken um, Drew Eubanks and Thaddeus Young's minutes, and because of that, that's helped out the offense because Jock's a really good pick and pop option for the Spurs' um, offense where he's spreading the floor now. You know, you can kind of trust Jock to, to take that pick and pop three and be a good shooter from there. So I know that's a lot of information, Jonas. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this team kind of turning around their season uh, since that Boston game on November 26th? Yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, the, the three ball is definitely what, what's really taking off. Um, you know, and that, that I think that feeds right into the offensive, you know, the offensive output, um, you know, increasing their offensive standing, increasing. And to me, it really comes back to, and I know you've been sharing a lot of the stats, you know, the percentages as to where Kel, how Kelvin has really turned it around, um, from, from the perimeter, you know, when he started the season and then as the season has progressed and he's really become a sharpshooter. And last night he hit a, you know, a key three point, you know, mm-hmm. from, from the corner. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it tied the game or, or might have given the Spurs a one point lead. But the other person in the other factor in that three point game is Bryn Forbes. Uh, he's doing what he was brought in to do th- shoot three pointers. You know, with, this is a team that was in the bottom of the league, not only in shooting three point shooting percentage last year, but also just in temps and attempts in general um, from beyond the arc. And, and Bryn Forbes really provided a spark. Um, you know, scoring double digits consistently, as you as you mentioned, with with his increase and in, and in, and in just uh, up from I think you said eight point six I, I have here. So um, and now now at eleven. So when you come into down that stretch, I think that without Dejounte Murray, who's really just playing on another level this year, kind of becoming what everybody was anticipating he would become. You know, so this is this has been a long time coming, but you're finally there where. He's averaging near triple doubles, and um, then you you provide him the th- the the perimeter shooting support um, that that his driving to the basket you know opens up, and I think that um, you know Keldon Johnson and, and uh, Keldon and Bryn from from the perimeter is, is a big part of the success. Jock Lando finally being healthy and available. You know, Austin Spurs fans saw him for two games mm-hmm. uh, up at the HEB Center, and he tore the roof off the, <laughs> off the building, <laughs> uh, almost quite literally. Um, you know, averaged about twenty six points a game, and 
about, I think, 13 rebounds in just his two appearances. And that showed, um, you know, San Antonio what they were getting. But then also the ability to, ability to have a big that spaces the floor. Um, you know, the first time again, we saw Landell what, you know, get real opportunities was in Austin and he wasn't afraid to pull up from beyond the arc there, uh, as well. And so that's something that, that Jakob Pertle doesn't bring. Thaddeus Young doesn't necessarily bring. And, uh, even Drew Eubanks isn't quite a three point shooter, but, but Landale, you know, MVP of the, of the NBL in Australia, um, has no problem, you know, hitting the deep shot. And I think that when you really look at what's driving the Spurs, it's the perimeter game. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I agree with you, you know, 100% there. And so, yeah, like I said, you know, it, this leads us into our next question. And this is kind of like, you know, just the state of the league, you know, with, with the Omicron variant kind of going through and just, you know, teams, you know, not putting forth their full rosters, you know, some some teams barely even having enough players to play a game, you know, eight players is, is hard to get sometimes on some nights. And that's why we've seen, I think it's already 10 cancellations or postponements uh, this season. So I want to ask you, Jonas, you know, because I know that some, you know, some cases, the numbers look really good. And in some cases, you know, they look really bad. And it's almost like, you know, how, how do we analyze this? You know, what do we take away from these results? Should we not put too much in them? Are teams just basically trying to, to get through this part of the season and hoping that things get better? Because when, when I'm just talking about the Spurs in particular, in these last four games, you know, we, we know that DeJounte has been out. But then, you know, when I look at other teams' rosters, you know, like that first game against the Pistons where the Spurs were, were up by 30, 39 points. You know, the Pistons barely had enough players to play a game that night. Then uh, the Miami Heat, I was like having to write down, like, you know, on pen and paper exactly who's available for Miami before that game got postponed. <laughs> we saw that also with the Clippers. They were missing a bunch of their players as well. Uh, and then there was another game that the Spurs recently played in where, where you know, the other team barely barely had enough or they had like 13 guys out or something like that so and it's not just the Spurs playing these teams but it's also other teams playing playing these kind of teams and I just want to get your thoughts you know what what should we you know what how do we just evaluate this time period you know it's it's, it's almost like nothing it's, it's it really is like nothing we've ever seen before in the NBA yeah I mean uh, and it's you know not just in the NBA either it's across all yes. sports mm-hmm. you know uh hockey uh had decided to postpone because they were having you know a lack of players available in the NFL you never know who is going to test positive um from one week to the next and of course the NBA being a nightly sport um situations for teams can can change up and down and now you have adjustments to the to the to the protocols as to how long players have to miss how many positive or negative tests they have to have within a certain amount of span and that can all affect you know games right down to the you know a couple hours before tip-off um but what you have to make of this season is you can only play the games in front of you right and so what we know is uh, the Spurs are playing pretty well, um, given all the circumstances. And I think that that goes to, you know, they're an average team. And I think that, uh, what you really can take away from it is that when you, when you look at the teams that they've beaten, that it really comes down to, I think the Spurs are deeper than a lot more, more deep than a lot of other teams in the NBA. You know, it's one thing for, uh, for Utah to to lose Gobert right or Mitchell on mm-hmm. that night and but it's something and, and but and and you really take away one of those two players um and, and it can really impact how that game is played same thing when you look over at the Nuggets and what, what happened to Joker um but when you when you look at the Spurs I think that it hurts to lose Dejounte sure. Mm-hmm. But you've got a lot of other players that aren't really far off behind him, and the roster I think is more even keeled, um, with a, with less of a talent disparity than you would find on most other teams, and I think that's going to benefit San Antonio. You know, should the season progress uh, without interruptions, 
um, and if this is something that they have to continue to battle through for the rest of the year, uh, at, you know, if, if the situation just can't get handled by other teams. But you have to win the games ahead of you. But what we're seeing, you know, again, you know, just because of the impact of it, this isn't just standard injuries where you can see where how, how a player's absence affects multiple games in a row. It just could be missing one or two games. Mm-hmm. And that's why, that, you know, I think that's why you have to attribute to about the halfway mark in the season why the standings are really so close. Um, you don't really have a, a team that's too far out of it. And you don't have, you know, outside of the top three teams in either conference, they're not really necessarily running, necessarily running away with that either. No, I, I agree with you there. So, yeah, I, I guess that's my thing. My, my big takeaway is every time I, see, I do see the data come in, you know, after these, these last few weeks, I do got to, you know, just remind myself, you know, this this is don't put too, too much stock in it. Because, again, these teams are just basically trying to get trying to get through these 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 weeks and try to get back to more of a normal pace of the season like we saw in in October and November. Um, and then my, my next question to you is, again, it's just more of an open ended discussion. It's just like. I do wonder what do you think the change will be with the trade deadline because I, I know that you know you and I are recording this on January second. The trade deadline is on February tenth, so it's about a month away here. And I know we've only seen one trade, at, at, and it's only because of an injury. Um, it was Rajon Rondo to the to the Cleveland Cavaliers, only because um, uh, Ricky Rubio got hurt for the season. So that was more so like an, a necessary trade just because of the roster depth. But again, we haven't heard as many um, trade rumors ever since the whole um, you know situation started with Omicron, where, where where teams are basically just trying to put a roster together right now. So I, I do wonder, you know, that's my question to you is you know do you think there's going to be more trades around the deadline do you think there'll be less this year or do you think it'll be about the same and, and this is important because we know that the spurs right now they have a player who they're trying to move in and thaddeus young um reportedly so so that's 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 what's interesting to me uh what are your thoughts on on the trade deadline uh, i think it's interesting where you could see more action this year paul um because everybody feels like they have a shot to be in it um mm-hmm. you know it's hard to really evaluate for because of everything we've just gone over um, it's really hard for any team to really evaluate where they're at. You know, do we, are we going to be buyers or sellers, um, you know, at the trade deadline? Because we might have it, you know, even, even San Antonio, you know, might have a chance at this. Or you're looking at the Lakers and they might say, well, we might, we're already out of this. You know, that's why we're going to go ahead. We'll start dumping some, some of these guys. We'll make an attempt to get younger. We'll make an attempt to, you know, acquire some picks and, uh, start building for the future because, this year's just not our year with our older team. You know, if this was a, if this was in a bubble situation, Carmelo and AD and Russ and and LeBron, you know, they're looking at that and they might say, well, we have a we have a real chance, but um, with role players, but they're missing their role players, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where they're really getting hit. And so, when any team can look at this and say, we we might be in this uh, if we can make a push. Um, then you can see more buyers than sellers. Uh, it's just kind of that risk, you know, in which direction do you want to go? And the Spurs have to answer that question for themselves too. Um, you know, there's a belief that, you know, the Spurs still need to try to be in a play for a top four pick. Well, if you want to be in a play for a top four pick, you got to stop winning at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, and you have to almost guarantee yourself some losses. And that just comes from getting rid of some of the talent. You know, I know we talk about Thaddeus Young, who they're trying to move. Bryn Forbes, I know you've reported that his name has been floated out yes. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those spots, look, they both open up opportunities. If you move a Bryn Forbes, it opens up a guard spot for Josh Primo um, to, 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 you know, play some actual minutes, not just be on the bench, but to make some, play some actual minutes and contribute from what he's done in Austin and award the rookie for everything that he's done. Um, but I think that it, it really just comes down to each team has to look in the mirror and say, 
where do we want to be? Because right now we're in the middle of it all. You look up and down. Every team is saying we're right in the middle of this. Where do we want to go? And the Spurs have to ask that question and you know and attempt to answer it for themselves. And it's really hard for any team to figure out what it is they actually need because there's no consistency into how they're performing night after night. Yeah, see that that's again why, why you know just the inconsistency is why again I, I'm very like just kind of wondering what's going to happen here at the deadline because the fact that like you said you know it's it's hard for like these basically since like mid December on it's been hard for any of these teams to kind of figure out what kind of team they have at this point because everything's yeah. kind of just went went um you know you know different ways so I think yeah it'll be just interesting to watch what happens at the deadline um again we know that the Spurs do have Daddy Sung out there but there's also been reporting about about Bryn Forbes as well so kind of again we'll see and then this last topic it's not really a topic uh, it's just something I wanted to note here for Spurs cast listeners you know. Uh, since since it is the off not the off season but it's like kind of like vacation time for me personally i have just kind of been just i wanted to kind of update my cap sheets and get them into all together and figure them out before the trade deadline comes next month and so i was i was doing this i was noticing that you know a few teams have very low payrolls right now and they're actually some of the teams playing pretty good basketball and that's that's really just you know uh, speaking to the organization and, and the fact that their player development is going really well so i just want to throw a little shout out here to three teams here um they're not doing so hot, but again, the fact is at least they're not paying a lot of money. So that's the okay, the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're only they have the lowest um, uh, team salary right now in the league at seventy seventy eight million dollars, and they're twelfth out west. Again, they're not they're not dead last out west, considering that they have the lowest payroll in the West. And again, these are only Western Conference teams. Then I want to throw a, throw, throw a major shout out to the Memphis Grizzlies. They have the second lowest payroll in the NBA in the Western Conference, and they're they're the fourth seed right now. Again, they're playing very good basketball. We say that we saw them beat the Spurs uh, pretty comfortably the other night. So Memphis is is just done a really great job with, with player development and drafting and things like that and then also the spurs who are doing who are doing very well they have the fourth lowest payroll out west 117.9 million and they are you know right now they, I, I would say they were 10th basically they're, they're a play-in type team because they right now, i know right now they're 11th but they were playing a play-in team for the last two weeks here so again the spurs considering that, that they don't have a lot of stars you know being paid that kind of that kind of money on this team their player development is doing very well you know with all those young players that i just mentioned a while ago uh they're, they're just sh- showing that and then i would just say one of the teams that's in a pretty rough spot right now is the portland trailblazers they are they are they are one of the highest payroll teams uh, they're a tax team right now 139.6 million and they're 13th out west so so they're doing worse than okc san antonio and and and, and so yeah i mean just they've kind of gone the, the wrong way here um did you have any comments i mean again it's for me it was just kind of cool to see that the spurs the thunder and and memphis have really done a great job with, with at least for the direction that the financially that they put into their teams and the fact that their player development is kind of showing here no, yeah, I think that's really the the whole point. But all all three of these teams, what that what that shows is not only are they performing well, but they're going to have the opportunity to go out and get some key pieces, um, you know, this off season as well. And and when you look at the trade deadline and what it could look like for contracts and stuff moving forward, that knowing that they have the flexibility and this these are the teams, you know, that could look at an opportunity at the trade deadline and say. You know, we can take on a player who still has a couple more years on his contract, you know, to, to really help us getting, get over this hump and, and, and compete from the, the middle of the pack and separate from everybody else who's essentially near a 500 record. Um, so would it be, and I understand that the Spurs have a hard time, you know, historically it's a, it's a, uh, it's a belief that the Spurs have a hard time attracting talent down here. But if you can, if you can go out and, 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 make something happen at the trade deadline with somebody who has a couple more years on the contract that can really contribute because the Spurs, again, are one of those teams who, fortunately, you do know what you have here. Um, you know, you know, you can see the development of Kelly. You can see where uh, DeJounte is at in his career. You can see how Jakob has grown year after year. Um, Jock, you know, we, what Landell pro- provides in the future, we're seeing a, a small sample size of him. 
but it looks good. And if you can continue that, you know, and you have the Australian experience to, you know, to carry that over from as well. And so you can say, okay, well, we can take a shot now and we have the money to do so. Um, so I think it is something rather important to look at. Um, and I think that you could even look at the Pelicans could probably be, be performing better if they had Zion, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, that, that 116, uh, you know, million left. And, you know, I don't think that they'd be in the 14th seed, um, right now if they had Zion Williamson. So they even they too could be in a better projected spot moving forward. But it is really, uh, you know, it, it shows that for the most part, if you want to contend in the NBA, you do have to spend money. You know, you mm-hmm. look at the, the top, uh, the, 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 Four highest salaries of the, with the, or the, the four teams with the least amount of space left: uh, Utah, the Lakers, Clippers, and Golden State, and that's you know, four top eight teams. Yeah, for sure, and that's also a shout out to the Phoenix Suns who have done a pretty good job. One twenty eight point four million. They're kind of uh, in the middle there, and, and they're the second seed out west. But again, we know that a lot of the young their young players like uh, are going to get some, some some different deals coming in, kicking and seeing with their extensions. But well, yeah, so again, one of those guys just, they have yet to pay for. Yeah, DeAndre Aiden. So that's a, that's a question mark. But yeah, the other players like Chris Paul and Michael Bridges and all those other players. But yeah, so again, I just want to note that Spurs cast this is the fact that you know this team has done a pretty good job with their player development, along with Memphis and some other teams, uh, just showing again that they're not that the salary. Wise, there are some of the bottom salaries in the, in the Western Conference, but yet they're actually some of the teams uh, playing pretty good basketball right now. All right, so before we close out this episode with Jonas, uh, don't don't forget to visit ProjectSpurs.com. Uh, Stephen Stephen Michael is continuing to um, keeping you updated with with the Spurs how they're doing after each game with his game by game analysis. Uh, the the draft is, is still a few months away, but Benjamin Bornstein is continuing to, to evaluate different college prospects in his Spurs Prospect Watch series. Uh, each week, Rocky Garza Jr. gets you prepared for the upcoming week of Spurs basketball with his weekly previews. Uh, Colin Reed had had a um, recent um, Project Spurs audio extra that you could have listened here in the podcast feed uh, on, on that on the Thad Young situation and then lastly uh, Jonas one of your um, articles recently in late December was called checking in with the Austin Spurs do you want to tell the listeners what that's about yeah so with the structure of the first half you know the first half of the season being the showcase cup um, and the and the team almost having a point eight days between games uh, we, we wanted to provide a little bit more consistency with when content and updates would come out with around your Austin Spurs and so we uh, developed this checking in with the Spurs, you know, checking in with Austin Spurs. And it's just, you know, brief little updates and on team call-ups, you know, where you go to look at Damian Dotson and how he got called up the New York Knicks there right around the holiday season. Mm-hmm. The, the the three Spurs eligible, you know, for their opportunities, the Kaycock, Wieskamp, and Primo, you know, they all received their call-up there as well um, after the Showcase Cup and the Winter Showcase took place. And so uh, we're going to have the next one actually coming out this week as we prepare to ramp up for the G League season if if it does in fact uh, go as scheduled uh, and everything moves forward as scheduled then we'll have another uh, you know even regardless we'll have another update as to you know checking in with the Austin Spurs as they do prepare for um, the regular season attempting to win the organization's third championship um, the last one being in 2018. Uh, Derek White was on that roster, and of course, you know, I think you look at the look at the last couple of years, and they really had some rosters that had the opportunity. You look at when you had had Kelvin Johnson and Quindary Weatherspoon and Luka Shamanich down in the G League together with Drew Eubanks. You know, there's an opportunity where they that team might have gone on to win the third, but lo and behold, you know, we we the whole pandemic started at that time. It feels like forever ago, but uh, it's, you know, that was. 
Keldon's rookie year and um, you know what the team could have done and how it's been impacted since then. The team is now you know trying to make their third run, uh, their third title run, and you know we'll get ready to, to follow that as they construct a roster um, after the call ups and everything. The dust kind of settles in the G League, um, just G League atmosphere. Okay, so yeah, so again, sportscasters, make sure you check that out and, and join us up, up upcoming piece coming up later on this week. Uh, just one more thing that I forgot to note here is that keep an eye on on whenever um, you know some news maybe about Zach Collins uh, eventually getting healthy here, getting ready to play basketball because Coach Pop did mention a few weeks ago that they, they, he said either he was he was he said he didn't know an exact timeline, but he basically said he would have guessed um, either January or February that Zach Collins makes a return. So we we are officially in January now, so so this should be about the time that we start maybe seeing some updates that 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 uh, Zach Collins uh, maybe starts practicing with the team or different things like that so again we'll kind of see what's going on maybe the spurs add another player here uh in zach collins soon and in in this month or else next month um so thanks to join us for joining me here on the spurs cast thanks also to michael de leon for mixing and producing this episode from all of us at project spurs stay safe and have a great day